Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Well, welcome back to the Equip You and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about something that we have talked about before on this show, but it's something that we need to keep coming back to because uh, from time to time because it is a significant issue in the church today. And the issue is pornography, enslavement to pornography. It is an issue among many men and women and teenagers. It is affecting the church. Now, pornography, as I'm suggesting here today, is an epidemic, not only among the average layperson, but among pastors. Um, according to Barna Research, more than 50% of pastors, they regularly view porn. Studies from Barna Research and Covenant Eyes tell us that 93% of pastors see porn as a problem in the church today, but only 7% have a, a uh, plan for how to deal with it. It's projected that virtual reality VR porn should be a $1 billion business by the year 2025. That's third behind an expected $1.4 billion virtual reality video game market and a $1.23 billion VR NFL-related content market. Pornographers are hoping VR porn, virtual reality porn, will boost porn website revenues that have been mostly stagnant from 2010 to 2015. In that time, adult content increased roughly 0.3% to $3.3 billion. That's a lot of money. In 2006, estimated revenues for sex-related entertainment businesses were just under $13 billion in the United States. These estimates given include video sales and rentals, internet sales, cable, pay-per-view, phone sex, exotic dance club, magazines, and novelty stores. 28,258 users are watching pornography every second. $3,075.64 is spent every single second on the internet. That means that a lot of money has already been spent even as I've only about we're about two and a half minutes into this episode. 88% of scenes in porn films, they contain acts of physical aggression, and 49% of scenes contain verbal aggression. 79% of porn performers have used marijuana, and 50% have used ecstasy. One in five mobile searches are for pornography. Carlos Scalassi said, Amateurs come across better on screen. Our customers feel that, especially by women you can see it. They still feel strong pain. And he is the owner of 21 Sexuary Videos saying that. There are higher percentages of subscription to porn websites and zip codes that are more urban than rural, have experienced an increase in higher than average household income, have a greater density of young people ages 15 to 24, have a higher proportion of people with undergraduate degrees, have a higher measure of social capital, meaning more people who donate blood, engage in volunteer activities, or participate in community projects. 
90% of teens, and 96% of young adults are either encouraging, accepting, or neutral when talking about porn with their friends. Just 55% of adults 25 and older believe that porn is wrong. Teens and young adults uh, ages 13 to 24 believe not recycling is worse than viewing pornography. Only 43% of teens believe porn is bad for society compared to 31% of young adults 18 to 24, uh, 51% of millennials, 44% of Gen Xers, and 59% of boomers. One in five youth pastors and one in seven senior pastors use porn on a regular basis and are currently enslaved to pornography. Just to put that in context, that's more than 50,000 U.S. church leaders enslaved to pornography. And if that's not enough, 43% of senior pastors and youth pastors say they have struggled with pornography in the past. 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women say they watch porn at least one a month. Only 7% of pastors report their church has a program for those enslaved to pornography. In fact, a 2018 study revealed nearly 27% of teens received uh, texts that are sexual in nature, and around 15% of them are sending those. 57% of teens search out pornography at least monthly. 51% of male students, 32% of female students uh, first viewed pornography before their teenage years. The first exposure to pornography among men is 12 years old on average. 71% of teens hide online behavior from their parents. A 2016 study on Canadian adolescents showed that 45.3% admitted to problems with erectile dysfunction. 68% of divorce cases involve one party meeting a new lover over the internet. 56% involved one party having an obsessive interest in pornography websites. 70% of wives of sex addicts, those who are enslaved to uh, some sexual sin, could be diagnosed with PTSD. Prolonged exposure to pornography leads to diminished trust between married couples, the belief that promiscuity is the natural state, and a lack of attraction to family and child raising. Now, I want to say that given those statistics, they are crushing. They are heartbreaking. In fact, they should break our heart and and they should lead us to realize that this is a real epidemic, as I said at the outset, in the church. But I want you to understand something, and and I'm not going to get into great detail here because the detail doesn't matter. The point is, is I personally know I've personally been affected in my own life with this issue, with myself being enslaved to pornography, which I was until 2005. By God's grace um, alone, through the help of the Holy Spirit uh, helping me and teaching me and the help of many other people, I have victory over uh, sexual sin, uh, including being enslaved to pornography. And so what we're going to talk about today what my aim is, is to, is to provide a practical and a very brief guide to help you, you, maybe you're a man or a woman. I'm going to speak to men, but what I'm going to say is going to apply to men and women to deal with their, your enslavement 
or assist others who are enslaved pornography. This is a part where I'm going to speak as a man to other men, but again, you as a woman can can apply this to your own life if you're struggling with a problem. But I, I don't speak to women uh, that are struggling with, uh, with enslavement to pornography. I spend a lot of time talking with uh, men who are enslaved to pornography. So I offer that caveat to say these things that I'm about to say, they apply to women uh, they apply to men and they apply to women. And so you can take this and it should be able to help you. And as you minister, uh, as you yourself are addressing this issue in your life, or you're walking along somebody else, uh, if you're a man with a man and a woman with a woman. So when I talk to men and, and a man comes and they share, I, I'm enslaved to pornography. That my, my, my thing is, is I want to listen. I want to listen to them share about their struggle. And then after they're done, I'll thank them for sharing. And and I want to add, and then I'll say, "Hey, can do you mind if I ask you some questions?" And usually the questions they all relate to these three questions. Um and I'm going to break down why I asked those questions as well. The first one is how are you truly doing with your Bible reading and prayer? Now, we have talked about Bible reading and prayer on this show, but in my experience counseling uh, those who are enslaved to pornography for well over a decade now, myself having come out of being enslaved to pornography, as I mentioned already, what I've, what I've found is that when I ask this question, the overwhelming response is, it's not happening. It's not. It, it's literally non-existent. And and they could the, sometimes even very often these people are regularly attending church, and uh, but they they then they try. They they're trying. They're trying to you know get rid of this. They're trying to deal with it as 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 best as they can. But, but the problem is, is when you ask this question and, and they tell you uh, that's not happening in my life or it's happening very little, the, the problem is, is they're getting, most of them, very good teaching at their local church. But the problem is, is they're not taking that teaching, they're hearing it, but not applying it to their daily life. They're hearing good preaching and teaching but it's not affecting the way in which they're living. Put another way, in, in James 1.22, it says, don't only be hearers, but doers of the word. We're, we're supposed to take the word that we, that we read personally, that we study, that we meditate on, that we're memorizing, that we're praying back to the Lord. Our, our prayers are even to be grounded in, in the word. And, and the Spirit uses the reading and the study and the meditating of his word and the memorization of his word and the and, uh, and us hearing the word preached. And he uses it as a means to help us to grow to be conformed like Christ. And so that's the reason I asked this question. How are you truly doing with your Bible reading and prayer? And so when when one of the things is, is when a man tells me, and maybe you're a lady, and a lady has told you, I am struggling in this area of, of you know, with pornography. For ladies, it's a little different. It's 
a lot of it is can be uh, romantic novels leading to more erotic novels and more but uh, it's it's not only you know there is as we talked about uh, ladies are a little bit different but they're also kind of the same uh, than men but the thing is is the the point is is when so, a guy says no, I'm not doing that. No, I'm I'm my my Bible intake, my my reading, my study, my meditating, my memorizing on the word is very little. What this shows me is that they're walking in their own power. They're they they think they're they're functionally living as if Christ's death didn't actually do something to change their status before God from being an enemy of God to being a friend of God. They don't understand that if they are in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation. And and what Paul says in Colossians 3, we're to, one of the things that he talks about before he tells us to put off the old man and put on the new man is, is about sexual sin. In fact, Paul Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4.3 that the will of God is your sanctification. It's to make us to be more like Christ, which is who we are. That's our identity. We are united to Christ by faith in his name. That is our, that is our positional standing. That is what we also call as definitive sanctification. It describes our union with Christ. It explains our identity in Christ. That is, that is who we, we are his and he is ours. And so when, when a Christian man says that they're not doing, they're, they're not engaging in, uh, reading their Bible and prayer. And they tell me that they tell me previous to that, that they're, you know, enslaved to pornography. This is one of the reasons why we need to get them in the word. And, and, and this is why we talk about these things because these things help address so this very question here. And it helps address and get to the root of so many other issues about anxiety and depression, discouragement. How are you doing? It's not enough to just say, I'm, I'm doing this because I, I check it off. You need to see this as a delight. This is, you get to know in reading and studying and meditating and memorizing on the word, you are getting to know the very God who has revealed himself in the 66 books that constitute the word of God, the word of God, the, and the entire word of God, it's reliable, it's trustworthy, it's, it's for, it's clear, it's for every phase and stage of your life, and it's binding on your life. And so when a Christian man tells me that they're not reading this, it says that they are well on the way of struggling with this, well beyond. And by the way, we didn't even talk about the matter of Instagram. Instagram is a big issue that plays into this with the images and the visual culture of our day. Um, and by the way, when I say that, when we talk about this, I'm not assigning blame to, to men or to women. Uh, I'm not shaming anybody on this. We're not even talking about the whole topic of modesty. I just, I just want to put that to rest. That's, that's another episode for another time. That's an important conversation to have. But at this point, we're dealing with something that gets to the root. We're dealing with the root cause here. 
That is, if you are a Christian, you have been united to Christ by faith in his name. You, Paul says in Colossians 1, you have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the Lord Jesus. And that means that you are, you have, because of your union with Christ, you have communion with Christ. That is a great and it's a beautiful reality, but it also means that because of your union with Christ, because of your communion with Christ, you are indwelt, you are sealed in the Spirit. You belong to Christ and the Spirit is indwelling you. You, The, the Spirit is helping you in, in this to to grow in the fruits of the Spirit that Paul is talking about in, in Galatians 5, 22-23. And he's using all of the reading, the studying, the meditating, the memorizing, the, the taking of the Word and applying it to your life and, and pre, the, hearing the good preaching at your local church. And what he's doing is he's aiming to produce those fruits of the Spirit. And so the first question is asked from the place of concern when somebody is struggling with this, your concern should be, well, how's your communion with Christ? How are you doing it and enjoying that? How are you doing at, you know, uh, reading and studying and meditating and memorizing on the word? And, and, and then usually what I'll do is after they say not at all, I said, well, do you have you know, five to 10 minutes every day. Oh, of course I do. Uh, or if they say, you know, I don't, uh, do you drive to work? Okay. So you have 30 minutes. Can you, can you spend even 10 minutes, uh, listening to your Bible? If we get you a, if we get you the ESV app, will you listen to that on the drive in? so that you can have some intake of God's word into your life before you, you know, get going with the rest of your day. And then can you spend, you know, maybe maybe five, ten minutes for the rest of your drive? Can you can you spend that time, you know, reflecting on and and meditating on, digesting, chewing on what you heard in the word and praying about what you heard and, and about other things that are going on in your life. Okay, of course, I can do that. So so then we're spending about, you know, between 10 to 15, 20 minutes, you're reading the word, you're hearing it, uh, you know, and, and you're praying it back to the Lord, um, and you're chewing on it. So, so you had, you've had your, you know, that's going to help with this problem because it's going to, over time, it's going to build a habit. It's going to build a habit uh, over time. And that habit is going to give you when you're struggling, it's going to give you some some uh, verses to have at your disposal when you're tempted. And this can help as well. Um, but the second question is, how are you and your spouse doing? You know, this is um, this is a challenging question because I think for some of us, especially those who are struggling with pornography, this the issue the central issue is you're trying to find your meaning and your value and your identity if you're a married man um in something else and in in something else other than the Lord. Uh the Lord has made you one flesh. You are you are yes, united to Christ by faith in his name, but you have been joined together with your wife, men. And that means She's your, to put it another way, she's your standard of beauty, it's been said. God puts you with a woman that you are married to, if you're married, and and you are to love her and to cherish her. 
And we have to be frank here. Pornography is selfish. It puts me at the center. It puts my appetites, my my desires, my 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 satisfaction, my preferences above a concern and a love for my spouse. And most importantly, the Lord. What it says is, you know what, I don't I don't find my spouse to be beautiful. I'm not thankful for the the spouse that the Lord gave me. I, I don't want to be in intimacy with my spouse. I would rather find a picture on the internet, find a video on the internet, and that be my standard of beauty. And so I asked the question, how are you and your spouse doing to men? Because that's going to say a lot. And at this point, I get told a lot of things in answer to this question. And I tell them up front, when I ask you these questions, I want you to be brutally honest with me. Because if you really want help, this is going to help. But I need to know. I don't need to know details. I don't need to know, you know, all those things. I just don't. But oftentimes I am told those things. But the thing is, is what matters here is is we talked the first part about being united to Christ by faith in his name. We talked about, um, you know, our communion with Christ. We talked about our availing ourselves of the means of grace because the reason is, is it flows into the answer that you're going to give to the second uh, question. If you're not doing well with the Lord, you're not going to be doing well with your spouse. There's going to be fighting. There's going to be intimacy issues. There's going to be uh, money handling issues. There's going to be lots of fighting and or silence. There's either going to be lots of fighting or there's going to be silence. Uh, but either way, there's going to be on the man's part, there's going to be the man enslaved pornography. There's going to be lots of guilt and shame and 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 issues to deal with. But this issue, it really lays bare. Do I really love the Lord in practice or am I really not loving the Lord? And it's really a convicting question because it shows, hey, I'm not really taking home the truths that I believe and putting them into practice. But so, so, so we've walked through the first two questions. The third question really gets to the heart of question two, and it's, do you have any relational issues in your marriage or with others? Because chances are, and and as I've dug into uh, many men uh, over, like I said, a decade or more of counseling men that are enslaved to pornography, what I've seen is the answer to question two and three is because of question one. Because you're not taking home the word into your heart and into your life, there is going to be marital issues and there's going to be relational issues with other people because you're not living in a manner that pleases the Lord. And so, yes, that's going to result in in the way in which you approach and deal not only with your spouse as a man, but also how you're going to deal with other women in your workplace, viewing them as objects for your enjoyment uh, when they're there, not for your enjoyment and you're, and you're viewing pleasure. They are there to do a job. They are there to do a job and to work, not for you to enjoy their, 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 th- what they're wearing or anything like that. They are there to do a job and to work, you know, like you are now, that that paints with a broad brush. I can't use specifics 
uh, examples there because getting into specifics would be really inappropriate. This is a Christian podcast, and I do try to keep it G-rated. So, so bear with me on that, guys. Bear with me. Uh, I am trying to be helpful here, but also I'm trying to be godly and helpful because we're commanded to do that too in Ephesians 4.29. We don't need to be crass. We don't need to be overly specific on a topic like this. There, There is wisdom and discretion. There, there is wisdom in, yes, talking about it, bringing it to light, but also exercising wisdom in the way and the manner in which uh, we talk about it by not being graphic because that's another issue is, is, is if I go and be graphic with somebody that is struggling with pornography, that's only going to give them further ideas of how they're going to struggle and, and they're going to think about that. They're going to latch on to that. And that's not going to be helpful either. Uh, the last thing that we need is to give them another avenue or uh, an opportunity to continue to go down further this avenue. Over the years, I've realized sadly that most of the men struggle in every area that I've mentioned here. And after hearing their response, we begin to develop a plan to strengthen them in these areas of neglect, considering, as we've talked about, first, the means of grace, that is prayer and daily scripture reading, doing life with God's people. Second, pursuing practical purity, uh, intentionality and transparency, and fourth, biblical accountability. So we're going to talk about some more about this, which I've, I've done quite a bit of, but we're going to dive even further very briefly. Then first is prioritizing the means of grace. So when I ask men, how are you truly doing with your Bible reading and prayer? The answer I get is usually not well. And when I ask further probing questions, as I mentioned, the answer I get is I don't have time. Uh, these answers are typical. They generally require a very gentle rebuke. I, I want to be gracious with them. I want to be gracious with them, but I also want to be firm with them and speak the truth in love. Um, and these things require a gentle rebuke and a course correction. So I follow up after that with a question. Do you have time to drink water, to eat food, watch television, keep up with your favorite sports team and hobby? Well, without fail, the answer is yes. I ask them, do you drive to work, as I mentioned earlier? Well, depending on their answer, we may chat about a plan to read or listen to the Bible as they get ready for work or as they're driving. And the goal is to start them with five minutes of listening to the Bible on their preferred Bible app, followed by five minutes in prayer. Now, that doesn't mean that that's all that they need to do. That's a good start is what I'm saying and grow from there. Now, we see a pattern for availing oneself of the means of grace in Psalm 1-2, where the psalmist commits to regularly meditating on the word. In, in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul calls Christians to pray without ceasing. In 1 Timothy 4.7-8, we see that God's people are to discipline themselves for the sake of godliness. Now, pursuing practical purity requires seeing our sin and seeing the Lord clearly as revealed in his word. And when a person truly begins to hate their sin, the result is turning away from sin and returning to the Lord with all of one's heart, as we see in Joel 2.12. This turning from sin, it implies a notable change that we see in Acts 26.20, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. And we need to remember that the goal of repentance is not to manufacture peace among others with perfunctionary repentance, that is just going through the motions, but rather to turn to God wholly and completely, seeing the horror of our sin and then turning away from it and to the Lord Jesus. 
This repentance, most importantly, is not just a turning away from sin, but necessarily involves a turning in repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, as Acts 20.21 says. We also need to talk about encouraging transparency. And that is, in addition to pursuing practical purity, one of the keys to fighting sexual sin or any sin is to have a plan of attack and keep things out in the open. There's nothing secret we must say before the Lord, nothing hidden from his gaze. And this means we should keep our laptops, our phones, our tablets, our devices out in the open to encourage transparency and discourage any hint of sexual behavior. Pastor or ministry leader, one way to encourage transparency is about how you set your, up your office. This applies especially if you work at home. If you don't work at home, you might consider this in your workplace as well, these things that I'm about to say. For example, my desk faces open to the door. This allows my monitors to face the door. Since I work from home, and my wife does also, I keep the door open. Well, unless I'm in a video recording or a recording like I'm doing right now. So that if my wife walks downstairs, she can see what I'm doing. You know, at night, uh, I keep my phone on my nightstand charging. The key here is intentional transparency. Take the principle, take the example, and utilize it to make it suit your own situation. Whether that's you work at home, or you're working at a coffee shop, or you're working in your office at church as a pastor, or in ministry, or you uh, work out in, in the public square, or wherever you are. These ideas can help. Uh, the next one is pursue biblical accountability. Now, not every Christian, not every ministry leader or pastor enslaved to sexual sin is ready to admit their enslavement to pornography. My story of enslavement to sexual sin, it began in 2001. I, I finally found freedom several years later. It was in 2001 that I first admitted to a pastor, really anyone for that matter, that I was actually enslaved to pornography. The pastor and I were walking out of the door of the cafeteria at the community college in Northern Washington I attended at the time, and I suddenly said, I have something to tell you. And then he said, what's that? And I said, before we even walked out the, the door of, of the cafeteria, I said, I'm enslaved pornography. And at, and at the time, his response, it, it felt less than gracious and less than helpful, but looking back, it really was. He said, you need to step away from ministry. But the truth is, I wasn't ready for help. It would take about three more years before I was ready to repent biblically and to receive help. You see, biblical accountability is like turning on the light in a dark room. Sharing our enslavement to sexual sin, it can help us to come out of the darkness of guilt and shame, and, and which many men are struggling with in the darkness. But what, what, what sharing our enslavement to, to sexual sin does, it helps us to step out into the light where God's forgiveness resides because of Christ. And we see this in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. See, that's what we have to do. Taking that first step in confessing our sins to one another is admitting you need the Lord's and others' help. 
Godly friends who walk alongside you with the help of the Lord is also vital, as we see in Galatians 6, 1 through 2. They can help you to address the choice patterns that got you to where you are now and help you with strategies to fight your sin. And now, no matter where you are in your fight against sexual sin, the Lord can help you today, right now, in this moment. Romans 8.1 tells us that because of our union with Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. John Calvin once said that repentance is not the start of the Christian life. It is the Christian life. So by prioritizing the means of grace, pursuing practical purity because of who you are in Christ, encouraging transparency and biblical accountability, you can, whether you're a lay Christian, you're a pastor, you're a ministry leader, you yourself can continue to grow in Christ and thus be an effective servant fit to be used by our master. Well, there's a lot more to to say about this topic as a whole. And I know that for some of you, you wish that I would say more. You know, there's other episodes where I've talk, talked about addressing guilt and shame and, and other fear and other topics, but these are all topics dealing with our emotions, addressing the means of grace. Uh, these is why, this is why I keep coming back to these topics, because we all have specific temptations, and these, and these temptations take different, uh, different shapes, different uh, things, and you know what? Satan knows just where to press. He knows right where to press. He, he is a master, uh, a conniving, a liar. He is a deceiver. He, he is a liar. And, and we need to be aware of his strategies. And, and even being aware that, you know what, you are tempted in a various way, that means that you know that to fight against that, you need to have a strategy. You need to have a tool. You need to put tools in your toolkit and, and verses attached to those tools to help you. Now, I'm not saying you're cherry-picking verses out of their context, giving them a meaning, but a meaning that it doesn't support. I'm not saying that. But memorizing Scripture, it's vital. And understanding what that Scripture means and how to use it properly is of utmost importance. And, and doing that will help you. It'll give you another toolkit. It'll give you tools and verses attached to those tools so that you can pull them out and unsheath the sword of God's word and, and put your sin to death. That's what Romans 6.11 says to us as Christians. It says to consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God. That is, because we've been united to Christ by faith in his name, we can, because of who we belong to, we can put that sin to death with the help of God's grace with the help of the Holy Spirit, and with the help of God's people. The question today that I want to leave you with is, are you going to be humble? And are you going to admit, if you are struggling today, are you going to admit that to somebody? Maybe for the very first time. And and I would just plead with you. I do not mind you telling me about that. But if you t- if you tell me, and you email me and say, Dave, I listened to this episode. I watched you talk about this episode. And I was so convicted by the Lord through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord used you in my life to help address this. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to be thankful. But I'm going to ask you, are you going to be willing to go to somebody in your local church and talk about that? If you're a man, you need to go to an older man or go to your pastor. If you're a woman, you need to go to an older woman and talk with an older woman. That's Titus 2. That's biblical. Uh, Are you even in a local church? That's another issue. 
And and the and the second thing is and maybe you don't see a need, and I'm gonna gonna ask a little bit of a harder question for you. What is it gonna take for you to deal with this issue in your life? Is it gonna take continued discipline, continual beating of yourself up to the point where you where you feel so dejected, you feel so you feel so lonely, you feel so alone, and and don't you realize that you're just don't you realize that you're just flittering away time and time again, time that is precious. Our life is but a vapor. And so my appeal to you, if you're unwilling to be humble, is this. Realize that time is precious. Time is a gift. And you will never be able to get that time back that you have given those hours and hours of watching pornography. And you need to realize that. And, if, and the more that you think about that, it should convict you. If you're truly in Christ, it should convict you. If you truly belong to Christ, it should convict you. And if it doesn't convict you, if, it, if you don't get convicted, and I'm not saying that I'm convicting you, I can't. I, I can only be faithful to what Scripture says, and the Holy Spirit comes along, and He uses the faithful teaching of God's Word, and He brings conviction, He brings comfort, He brings the help of His grace. But here's the thing. If you don't feel any conviction about your own selfishness, that's pride. And God has something very clear to say about pride in Proverbs 15. He says that he hates it. It's one of the seven things that he abominates. He doesn't like it. He hates it. God hates pride because pride is is the opposite of humility. Humility admits that I have a problem. I have a problem and I have a, a need of the sufficiency of God himself to help me with that. That's why God has given us his word because his word it uses it. His word is like a mirror to us. It shows us our sin. It shows us and teaches us about the glory of Christ to help us when our sin is exposed. So, so I don't want you just being like this, looking in the mirror at yourself and seeing yourself as you are. I don't want you just to stay there because too often what I see with pornography uh, and sl- those who are enslaved pornography because I once was. What I, what I see and what I, I experienced having an enslavement to pornography addiction was this perpetual cycle of guilt and shame because I, I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for the way in which I'm living, but, but I never desired to turn away from it. I never practically practiced intentionally biblical accountability and biblical transparency. And those are the two things and, and talking and sharing. And it's so scary to open up and share, but it is so very, very vital, very, so very vital to open up, to share with somebody. And so I want to plead with you, plead with you, no matter how uncomfortable it is and no matter what happens as a result, count the cost. You've already paid a cost. You're already built beating yourself up day after day, week after week. You already feel guilty and shame. You're going to, it's not going to be comfortable to share. There's going to be questions. There's going to be questions that people have. 
You're, you're going to have to deal with, if you're married and, and you're enslaved, you're going to have to deal with it with your spouse. There's going to be a breach of trust when your spouse finds out, but they're going to find out. But most importantly, more than just telling somebody, the Lord already knows. You might think the Lord doesn't know about my present predicament and my present struggle with sexual sin. And friend, I can tell you, that undermines the fact that the Lord sees all and he is everywhere present. He's present in the bathroom. He's present in your office. He's present everywhere in which you engage and what you think is secret sin. There is no secret sin in, in the eyes of God. He is everywhere and he is always present and he always knows what we're doing. And if that's not enough for you, he sees your heart. He sees the motivations. He sees the why. He knows the reason for why you do it. And ultimately, it's because you don't find him to be enough for you. And that's the most tragic thing about all of this. Beyond just not being satisfied if you have a spouse, in, in the spouse that the Lord has given you, most tragically is people enslaved to sexual sin are not satisfied in the sufficiency of God himself. They don't find him to be an all-surpassing treasure and delight. That's the most tragic thing of all. And that's why when, when somebody comes and they tell you, now I'm going to talk to the person, say you're the person, and, and the per, somebody who's enslaved pornography comes to you, this is why you should listen. This is why you should be gracious with them because it is a hard thing to do. It is hard. It's hard to share that and then to be immediately condemned, immediately built, built, uh, immediately beat up. That's that. It's really hard and you need to understand that and you need to be ready. We need to be ready. That, that's why we have a great need of Christ and a great Christ for our need. That's what Calvin said, that the, the repentance is not the start of the Christian life, meaning it doesn't just get us into the door. It is the Christian life. We all need to repent. There's all areas in which we need to understand that we ha- transgress what, what God has said. We all have missed the mark. That's why we need to continue to repent. We need to continue to preach the gospel to ourselves. We need to continue to be reading and studying and meditating and memorizing and hearing the word preached and delighting in the God who has revealed himself in the word above all, finding him to be our all-surpassing treasure and delight, as the psalmist said in Psalm 1611, to find in the Lord pleasure and treasure forevermore. And that's what God offers us in Christ. Well, just come out into the light today, would you please? I plead with you to repent, to see the horror of your sin, and to turn to the Lord who alone can forgive you because he is altogether righteous, altogether holy, altogether lovely and beautiful and wonderful. Well, I want to thank you for listening or watching this episode of the Equip You and Grace podcast. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, 
You can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.